Welcome to episode number 67 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host, and in this episode, we have Devin Person, who is a wizard and was recently featured in the New York Times as well as the New York Post. You can find him at personisawake.com. Again, personisawake.com. And he also hosts a podcast called This Podcast is a Ritual. And this was such a fun conversation to have with Devin talking about what it even means to be a wizard or a modern wizard in this, this day and age, how he got started with that, taking on different clients and working with people, and then also even granting wishes on the subway. I will not explain everything. I'll let you listen to the episode to hear all about Devin and his journey to this point. It's quite fascinating. I really enjoyed my time with him. As always, the show notes are justgogrind.com slash podcast. You get to support the show by leaving a rating and review over in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And without further ado, here is my interview with Devin Person, who is a modern day wizard. Devin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on. And when I heard about you and what you were doing, of course, I was very curious, as I'm sure everyone is, as you are a, a modern wizard. So the, the first question, of course, has to be, how did you become a professional wizard of sorts? Well, I it starts by becoming just the wizard of any type. And then the professional is, I think, a label that you you earn or you get people to believe in. But I had moved to New York City to do a graduate program in TV writing. And I realized that the program was bunk. It just wasn't going to be worth the money I was spending on and it wasn't going to get me anywhere. And I should drop out and and change my plan. And yeah. I, I limped along for a little while taking classes at Upright Citizens Brigade Improv Theater and still thinking that I was going to be a TV writer. And I had a, had a moment of clarity not too long after that where I realized I'm not coming home from work and writing scripts. And if I'm not doing that now, I'm probably not going to do it later when it's, you know, I'm competing for jobs. And right. I figured I've done a lot of different things with my life up until this point, but I haven't done any of them for very long. I've had a little bit of long form ADHD. And so I wanted to give myself time to come up with something. I didn't want to rush into anything. And this was in 2014. So I said, this is going to be my egg year and I'm just going to think about things and explore ideas and go wherever my fancy leads me. Hopefully at the end of the year I'll have I'll have a new idea and that's what I will dedicate myself to. And in that year I was working customer support for a website company and looking at customers' websites and helping them solve their problems. And I was seeing a lot of life coach sites and a lot of yoga retreats and meditation classes and all of that kind of stuff. And the people who were writing in with those websites tended to be the worst. They were the angriest <laughs> and meanest people. And I was like, there's something really off about this. And I started thinking about like, what does it mean? Like we have this one mask that we wear, we present to the world, but then what does it mean when that mask is out of alignment with what we are actually like and actually are doing? Like if you're going and telling everyone namaste, don't stress, it's all good. And then you're being atrocious to the people at Starbucks that are pouring your coffee. Seems like there's a disconnect there. Oh, definitely. So as I was meditating this, I came up with the idea of, 
I will make fun of these people. I will have a parody life coach website. <laughs> and I have been interested in magic for a long time. So it'll be, you know, instead of namaste, take three deep breaths, it'll be like, oh, you need to cut the blood, cut the throat of a rooster under a blood red moon and, you know, <laughs> a circle of salt and blah, blah, blah. Very occulty, very creepy. And I was playing around with that idea, and I came to the realization relatively early on that if it was a joke, I'd get bored. That maybe I would do it for a year, but just like a novelty Twitter account, you're going to get tired of making jokes about Seinfeld with cell phones. I realized that I would get pretty tired of making the same brunch crystals jokes. And right. I actually had been using magic in my own idiosyncratic way to troubleshoot my life and to steer myself towards goals and to help myself when I was having a hard time. And it was something that was fascinating to me. And it was the thing that I was hesitant to talk about. But once you, you know, got me going late night at a bar and I'm like, all right, let's talk about magic and the secrets of the universe. I could talk forever about it. And I began to circle around this idea of becoming a wizard. And I realized that if I was going to become a wizard, it was not about just me convincing myself that I was a wizard. That was a very dangerous path where I could be thoroughly convinced of my magical powers and everyone else thinks I'm a loon. I needed to also convince other people that I was a wizard, that reality is a democracy and I'm only a wizard in so much as the people around me say, oh yeah, Devin's totally a wizard. And Right. That was the start of it all. And and from that, though, so when you have time 2014 to think about this, you kind of get to this idea then. What does that initially look like for you? When you say, you, you know, it can't be just for yourself. You know, we did the parody thing. He's like, you can't be just for yourself in terms of being a wizard. You want to help others or, you know, make sure others know you are or actually believe that. And what does that look like initially for you then? Well, I think there's two big symbolic acts. And the first is I started working on a website. I think a website is a very interesting thing because sometimes it's very positively deceiving and somebody who isn't really doing much in the world can have a very fancy website that looks really impressive and makes them seem like they are. And <laughs> True. On the other hand, you could look at, I mean, I was looking at lots of websites at that point and I'd see some really crappy website but it's like a real business. I'm like, this person has a you know an office like... They're really yeah. running their business successfully. It's just their website looks like crap. So yeah. I thought that a website would be a good way to kind of stake the, the psychic territory of what a wizard means and what I'm trying to say. And that was a very difficult task. That was a lot of like dragging myself to a library on a Saturday to sit down and force myself to not procrastinate and work on this thing. I'm not a bunch of copy. And then at the end of it, go, Ugh, I hate everything I wrote today, but I can't delete it. And I'll do this again in like a month. And as I was doing that, I realized that I also needed to make this real to myself and to uh, apply my own magical thinking to this project. So on November 30th, 2014, I rented a rehearsal studio in Midtown Manhattan and I lugged a bunch of crap there, candles and speakers and clothes and all kinds of stuff and i did a magic ritual and for those of your listeners who are like a magic ritual what is he talking about i like to think of it as performance art for one so imagine that you have a friend that's trying to quit smoking and every time you go out to the bar 
a friend is saying, oh, this is my last cigarette. Oh, tomorrow I'm quitting for real. And then every morning they wake up and they go buy a new pack of cigarettes. You stop believing that friend when they say they're going to quit. If a friend tells you, right. oh, I'm going to hike a mountain this weekend, and when I get to the top of the mountain, I'm going to burn a carton of cigarettes, and then I'm going to rub the ashes on my body and meditate for an hour, and after that point, no more smoking, you might expect when you see your friend next week that they will continue to not have had a cigarette. They've really made a big show of this. They've, they've put their, uh, their thoughts into action. And so that's what I set out to do with this ritual is I wanted to, one, make a demonstration for myself that I was taking this project seriously, that I was really going to invest myself in it, that I was going to see it through. And on a less pragmatic and a more psychedelic level, I thought, I can't change where I am in this moment. My past is pretty firmly set. So I might wish I'd been born to a different family or I'd had more success or done something different in my 20s. It's not going to happen. I am here. I am today. I can't change that. But from this moment, an array of nearly infinite possibilities arcs out. And there's versions of my life where I become a degenerate drug addict. And there's versions of my life where I'm somehow miraculously the most successful rich person on earth and all sorts of shades in between. And of all of those infinite possibilities, I figured there was a group of them where I became a wizard. I mean, here I am about to become a wizard. So that's a real set of possibilities that exists. And of that set of possibilities, there's got to be one that's just more kick-ass than all the others. And in that long line where I achieve peak wizardry, I live a very interesting and eventful life and change the face of 21st century wizardry as it becomes a thing. And at some point, I'm a very old wizard. And I'm on my deathbed. And I've reached my maximum power. And I figured that's a person who would probably be able to help me right here, right now. So I viewed the ritual as sort of reaching out from the past and my future self reaching back and creating this connection where my past self is saying, guide me, steer me towards the opportunities that are going to help me manifest this and steer me out of the dead ends that would block my path. and. I will become you. And that is the deal that we can make. And so that's what I did. I changed who I was. I created this wizard character and I asked this future self for help. And I wasn't expecting, you know, a crack of thunder and a, a, a magic wizard in front of me. <laughs> what did happen right. was a couple of weeks later, I told myself that I was, this was in November. And I said, in December, I'm going to chill. I've been burning the candle at both ends. I'm going to, I'm going to take a breather. And I didn't do that. I was still just running around. I immediately violated <laughs> that. Like, right. <laughs> I'm going to chill at home for a month. And then you say yes to all the plans and you're like, Oh, that didn't happen. And I, was yeah, I guess I wasn't chilling. Not chilling. <laughs> and I went on a trip with a friend and I have this rare knee condition that had been somewhat dormant, but had been a pain in the butt throughout my twenties. And it flared up worse than ever because I just I was out of town and I couldn't get home and rest. And so by the time that I got back home at the end of this weekend, my knee was the size of a softball and I really couldn't walk. And I ended up being stuck at home for a month. I had to work remotely and just live at my house. In frustration and despair, I Googled my condition New York and found a paper that had been written by a doctor at Sloan Kettering. 
I booked an appointment with that doctor and they couldn't see me for a month. So I just dealt with it. And when I finally went to go see the doctor, yeah. I was pretty bummed because the last time I'd seen a specialist, they'd said, look, the next step is a major surgery. You'd be walking with a cane the rest of your life and the condition could still come back. It's not worth it. Avoid the surgery as long as you possibly can. And so I went to go see the doctor and instead of surgery, he said that they were experimenting with a new medication. They were running the trial at that hospital and they were having good results with it. It was helping people with my condition, but it had a side effect. And that was, it was going to turn all of my hair white. Oh, wow. So that's the interesting uh, form of magic that I like to practice. <laughs> I'm not someone who's coming with a bunch of quote-unquote woo-woo ideas about energy and metaphysics that I'm trying to force down anyone's throat. In fact, I think it's very useful to approach things from a very pragmatic, grounded perspective first. And then when the weird stuff happens, you just smile and you roll with it. Right. And going through that, though, so, you know, obviously turns your hair white and eventually, I don't know how long it took to grow the beard you now have, but in terms of obviously there's a physical looking like a wizard, right? And then there's also then working with people or helping them. When did that start where you started actually, you know, working with people, helping them? When did that kind of start then after that? So the original idea, I, I did the ritual November 30th, 2014. And the original idea was that I was going to launch my website on New Year's 2015. Okay. You know, start the new year as a wizard. And my website wasn't ready. And I was continuing <laughs> to struggle with like, how do I explain my own view of magic in a succinct, attractive way yeah. as a website? You know, like, how do I also fulfill my goals as a website? And I, I'm a pretty harsh critic of my own work. So I was struggling with that. But I started telling people I was a wizard. And that was interesting because in any given small talk situation, when someone asks, what do you do? I could tell them about my day job. Or I could take a hard left into weird territory and say I'm a wizard. And I found that people really opened up when I said I was a wizard. They'd tell me about their family's beliefs in magic. They'd tell me about a weird story that happened to them. They'd just engage in a different way. So I didn't have my brown hair yet. I wasn't on the medic. I, I still have my brown hair. I, I wasn't on the medication. And I had, you know, when I started this plan, I hadn't thought I'm going to somehow get white hair. So I'd figured I'd yeah. just be not a white-haired wizard until I was a very old person. And that was just the... You know, <laughs> Come naturally, right. <laughs> it was happen eventually and I shouldn't hold my breath. And I started thinking about, well, what does a wizard do? That was part of the idea of the website. You know, well, I have a website. What are my services? What am I offering? And similar to how I've been looking at these life coach sites and grimacing at, at some of the way that they were presenting themselves, I found that there was a real problem in how the self-help industry promises the moon. It's going to fix all of your problems in eight simple steps or working with me, I'm going to solve all of your problems. And I started playing with the idea of being a lot more honest. So I would say, what's a slightly better reality like? I can help you get to that. I can help you get to slightly better. And <laughs> I reached out. I actually had lunch with a friend from my childhood that we knew each other in Indiana growing up in the 90s, and now he lived in New York, and we connected, and he was having a real hard time. And I said, hey, this might be a little bit weird, but I'm becoming a wizard, and I want to start working with people. It seems like you're having a hard time and could use some help. 
would you be down to be my guinea pig? And he said, yes. And so we started meeting and I started doing what I called occult consulting at that point. And then I started seeing other friends and friends of friends. And I made a lot of mistakes and did a lot of things the wrong way and wasn't charging very much money, which I think um, is something that I also have an issue with the coaching world where it's like, you took the Saturday seminar. Now you should charge $400 an hour. Value your time. (laughs) Like, eh, maybe, maybe train a little bit more first. But yeah, I started just exploring this idea of what would a wizard do in current times. And I really believe in wizards as people helpers. They're not the hero of the story, but they help the hero. And they don't help the hero by just doing the things for them. But they're a little bit sly and sarcastic and mischievous and playful. And they guide the hero to see things in a way that it's difficult to see when you're you're looking out of your own eyeballs. Yeah, and I want to go dig into that early on process a little bit more. So obviously you work with your friend first to start with, mentioning you're a wizard and you go, I'd love to help them. What were some of the things you did to prepare for that as you started working with people? I'm curious about that. I was reading a lot. I was reading books on coaching and different forms of therapy and goal setting and all of that kind of stuff and thinking about those things and then really improvising. That's the thing that I continue, you know, of all the stuff that I've learned, what I've honed wizard sessions down to now is I show up and I'm very present with people and I interview them. I had a background in journalism, so I ask questions, and I steer the conversation. And I think it's surprising how much the simple things are helpful. People tend to have a reticence to really unpack these things with their friends. Because if you start talking about yourself for more than 20 minutes, you're dominating a conversation, and you feel guilty, and you need to say, wait, no, I'm sorry, don't worry about my job thing. What's going on with you? How's your relationship? (laughs) And your friends aren't equipped to push you. Your friend could hear you complain about your job a million and one times, and they're never going to say, hold on, shut up, go get a piece of paper. We're going to write down five jobs that you think you'd like better than the one that you have right now. So yeah, giving someone an hour of my attention and time and then listening to them, but pushing in certain areas and figuring out what they're not talking about and getting into that area and then reflecting it back. I mean, it was so amazing to watch someone say, well, you know, I've been thinking about this one thing and their eyes beam and they their face glows and they're like, but I'm also thinking about this other thing. And then their body slumps and it's like a dark cloud that rains <laughs> on them. And I'm like, hold on. This is how you looked when you said the first thing. This is how you looked when you said the second thing. How does that make you feel? And they're like, oh yeah. Yeah, I love the first thing. I don't think I want to do the second thing. And I'm like, did you know that before now? And they're like, no. And so those little things are very helpful. So I was trying to just be playful and be respectful and not cross boundaries that I wasn't, you know, I'm not a licensed mental health professional. I was not trying to spell myself as that. But I also think that we put up a lot of barriers that are just more or less to keep gatekeepers in, in their in their roles. That I think anyone can be a good friend and a listener and the skills that we're applying, it doesn't have to be so 
such a harsh line drawn around about it. If someone had serious mental health issues, there were definitely times that I was like, that is an area that I'm not equipped to handle and I'm not going to try and mess around with it. For the most part, I think it was talking and empathizing and improvising and trying to use my own creativity to help them come up with out-of-the-box solutions. Right. And then going from there, you know, those first few people, and you mentioned you're trying to figure out your website, what the services would be, and, you know, going from there, then how did the business evolve from those first people, and how did you figure out the services you'd actually offer? Um, In fits and starts, you know, there was a period that I was doing it, and then I got burnt out, and I pivoted, and I I like looked into virtual reality for a while, because I thought that was an interesting new thing that was happening, and we could create new experiences that might be different ways to create feelings of wonder and awe and magic for people. So I was poking around the edges of New York's virtual reality community for a bit. And then I would continue to do sessions when opportunities presented themselves, but I wasn't really pursuing it so doggedly. I still had a day job and I was still trying to keep wizardry fun. The thing that I've always thought about is that I don't want to do some other profession with a wizard glaze on top. Like, I don't want to be a life coach, but wizard branding, or I don't want to be, (laughs) um, you know, a public entertainer, but like in a wizard hat. And so I was always trying to figure out what felt good to me and where I was enjoying spending my time and trusting that I didn't need to rush the monetization of it, that it felt bad and inauthentic for me to be trying to sell myself all the time. And instead, I wanted to play this role of being a wizard and discover what opportunities it presented and kind of dance with those possibilities and trust that things would develop magically, which they have to a large extent. But there's certainly been plenty of periods of frustration, uncertainty and uh, in between. Yeah. And you mentioned not wanting to, you know, be a life coach with the wizard aspect of it or do something else. Like why, why was that? Why didn't you want to lean into that versus keeping them separate? I'm very skeptical of a lot of things. That's, uh, you know, people are surprised, but I'm, I'm, I'm very skeptical. And I think in our current culture, there's a couple of patterns that I'm very wary of. One is this idea that you need to be creative to be valuable as a human being. That if you go to work and you come home and you spend time with your loved ones, that's not good enough. That you should also have some sort of hobby or creative outlet. And then actually your hobby or creative outlet should be growing and scaling and making money and turning a profit and becoming a business. And so we should all be working a day job and having some sort of Instagram influencer side hustle. And the better we are, the more that side hustle has become something truly sustainable that is now a business that we are living off of and profiting wildly from. And I think that's damaging because I don't think we can all do that. I think not everyone's passion or hobby or creative pursuit is going to be something they can monetize. I think that monetizing those things often crushes it and kind of sucks the joy out of it and makes it less fun than when it was just a lark that they were doing to entertain themselves. And I think it is 
something that we have to think about who benefits from this. And right. Instagram benefits, Facebook benefits, YouTube benefits, all of these platforms benefit when we create content for free. And so I think there's a lot of unpaid labor that we're enticed to do with this carrot of FOMO, of look at all the social media influencers, look at these people who figured out how to write a blog and work from Thailand for only four hours a week. Like, that's so amazing. And for a few people, maybe that does work. But for the vast majority, I think we end up running on this treadmill and making ourselves miserable. And that's something that I really want to combat and not partake in. So that's one area that I'm concerned with. And then the other is that I think because we're all doing this, a lot of us feel bad. We don't feel satisfied with our life. We feel like we're constantly comparing ourselves to our social media feed and all of the other articles we're reading about amazing people. And we feel bad. Also, the world is crazy and there's a lot of stressful stuff happening. And you know, <laughs> communities have eroded and there's a lot of reasons why we're feeling bad. And I think the world of self-help puts a large amount of pressure on the individual that it's because you're not thinking the right thoughts and you're not working hard enough. And if you just put a little bit more energy into your business, then you would have, you know, all of that profit that you're supposed to have. And Again, if you look at who benefits from this, it's the people that are selling you the books and selling you the seminar. And when you go to the seminar, you feel great. And then you go back to your life and all of those reality things start weighing on you. And then when you are back where you started, then you get the email that says, hey, you really need to come to the masterclass seminar and we'll tell you the real secrets there. And I think the internet is full of these pyramid schemes where it's People teaching yeah. people how to teach other people how to run these pyramid schemes. <laughs> you know, one of the things you mentioned there too, with and just in terms of like absolutes of you have to do this or you have to do that. There, it's there's so many different paths in life, and for everyone, and like you're a good example of that as well. Like, there's so many different options for people to look at. You should never be thinking necessarily in absolute terms of you have to do X, Y, Z things. So, you know, with the work you do, I'm curious as to, I guess, what are some of the problems that people typically come to you with or are trying to wrestle or grapple with? That's a great question. Um, it really varies. I've, I grant wishes on the subway and I notice some patterns. You know, I get a lot of like, I want a million dollars, but once you get people talking, I think people are really quite unique. And so they fit into broad categories, but even in those categories, they go in pretty different directions. Let me think of a few concrete ones. I've had a lot of people facing uncertainty about where they want to go with their life and career challenges or next steps or those sorts of things. I've had a few relationship ones, and those come up from time to time for sure. And a lot of them, I think, tend to be around, I guess, parts of their personality and their way of being that are causing them problems, that they are working too hard and stressing themselves out, or they feel like they can't get projects started or finished, or they've got a bad habit that they really need to rein in. There's a lot of things that I think people focus on. And that's the other thing that I try and help people realize is if you're you know, if you've survived this long, you're doing a lot of things good. You know, like 
you're 30, congratulations. You're living a a good enough human life that you've made it to this point. You haven't accidentally ingested poison or drank yourself to death or done any or walked in front of a car. And you probably have held down a job. You probably have some level of social interaction and relationships and people that care about you. So you're doing a good job. You are functioning. Most of the people I work with are functioning. I'm not really helping people that are not functioning that often. And it's just that the things that you are frustrated by become so loud, like the pebble in your shoe becomes unbearable, even though the rest of your body is totally fit and healthy and fine. And so a lot of the time, I think it's about putting it into perspective and giving people the tools to identify that pebble and to realize that they do have the power to change things. And it's not going to change all at once. If you're depressed today when you come to see me, you might feel a little bit better after a session, but you're probably going to be depressed again when you wake up tomorrow. But hopefully I can give you some small thing that will have practical results of creating a little bit of movement and helping you get unstuck but will also change the way that you feel about things and will give you a little bit more hope, which I think then becomes the snowball rolling down the hill and makes things, makes a lot more progress when you look back a year from now. Yeah, and with your business, over time, you started with working with a few people, a friend of yours, you mentioned doing some different services and offering different things, and you've also done sessions, if I remember right, with like groups and everything. So today, what are all the different, options or things you offer as a wizard? Sure. So I've actually pivoted a little bit to think about it as concentric rings and really as building out a world where wizards exist and where I'm one that people are aware of. Talking to you on this podcast is very helpful for that. Yeah. And giving people different ways to access the things that I'm doing. So if start at the very center ring, it's me by myself. It's me just being a wizard and I use that to shape some of my own time. If I come home and I don't have anything to do that night, I try and think, you know, like, what is this wizard image? Like smoking pot and listening to psychedelic music and reading a a book about metaphysics? That's a pretty nice thing to do as a wizard. And so it gives a little bit of shape and narrative to how I spend my time in a fun way. Yeah. Then if I expand that out, it's the one-on-one interaction. So if somebody is living their life and they are now having this encounter with a wizard, whether that's on a train when I'm granting a wish, or when they're a paid client and I'm working with them one-on-one, I am giving them an experience that becomes a part of their story. So they're able to say, you know, I moved to Boston and I was really struggling, and then I had a session with this wizard, and it really helped me change things around. And then that wizard story becomes an anchor that, like we talked about earlier with the hypothetical friend that climbs a mountain to quit smoking, that it it draws a line in the sand that they can say, after that point, I started doing things differently and I noticed results and I measured things differently. And here I am because of that. If we get a little bit wider, I have an ongoing monthly event where it's sort of a lab for me to experiment with a very generous audience of friends and um, people in the community that have become interested in my work of exploring ritual and what does it mean and what does it look like. So that's a little bit more performance-based. That doesn't make money. That's just me being creative and and honing my craft. And that's similar to what I do with the group workshops. So generally, I'm doing guided meditations. Uh, My guided meditation style involves a lot of hypnosis, so I'm helping people really change their their state of consciousness and access some of the the resources that... um, 
are just just out of just off the stage and the, waiting in the wings. And I so I do a corporate meditation program. I do various workshops. Um, I have a build your own ritual workshop. So I help people understand this framework and then work together to build a, a ritual that we do in the in the workshop and then also take these tools home and they can apply them to whatever problems they have in their own life. And then, of, of course, various custom things that people have specific needs and and want me want a wizard to do something with that. And then the, the wider ring is something that I just launched less than a year ago, which is a podcast. And so I have a podcast called This Podcast is a Ritual, and I really try and frame it as a collaborative effort where myself and all of the listeners are making this podcast more and more real as time goes on and slowly but surely shifting everyone into slightly better reality. Yeah, and with all the different things you're doing, all the things you're working on, how much promotion or marketing or how much do you do to get the word out versus organic and word of mouth? I'm curious about that as well. Yeah, I'd say most of it is is organic at this point. I'm trying to be very patient with things. Yeah. I struggle with, like, you know, like, <laughs> oh my God, like, you know, I'm saying this and I'm constantly running into this wall myself again and again. But I think the vision that I have is the world is changing really quickly. And there's a lot of uncertainty. And that presents an opportunity for new things to grow, just the way that social media marketer or podcast host wasn't a real thing 20 years ago. Who knows what wizard's going to be in 20 years? And I'm trying to position myself to, you know, lead that charge and take advantage as it as it grows up and people become, you know, go from a wizard. What does that mean to? Oh, your company doesn't have a wizard. Wow, that's really risky. (laughs) I should definitely get (laughs) How do you deal with your employee's identity crisis? How do you deal with, you know, future shock? Like, what are you doing? So a lot of it has been organic in so much as the idea of the wizard and the archetype resonates with certain people. There are people that see me on the train or see me walking around the city and they take a second look and go, meh, and they keep walking. And then there's people that go, holy smokes, what's going on? I've got to go talk to this guy. I'm going to follow up. I'm going to come to his events. I'm going to listen to his podcast. I am into this. It's been very interesting to see that take place. My entire reality has changed since I became a wizard. My relationships, my friendships, who I am at my day job, all of this has shifted as slowly but surely people have gotten in on the joke. And I don't mean that in any sort of disparaging way. I I think it's totally fine to talk about it being silly and being a joke. And there's a change that I see in people where they go from being a little bit like a wizard. What's that? And then the next time I see them, they're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I have to introduce all my friends. Hey, everyone, come meet my wizard friend that I've been telling you about. And they have almost a sense of ownership of the idea. They know a wizard and their world feels more magical because of that. And they want to share that experience with their friends and induct them into that. Yeah. So it's been grassroots as one person gets excited and they tell other people and then I get emails from them in the same way uh, with clients, you know, a help a, the best way that I think you can honestly promote any sort of people helping business is not by spending all of your time focusing on SEO and Twitter and Instagram ads, but genuinely helping people and trusting that people that you help are going to go tell other people. I mean, you're talking to me because I helped someone 
And then they went and talked to you and said, you've got to talk to my wizard. <laughs> exactly. Which is just how, yeah. And in that line of work, especially focusing on just doing a good job and helping then leads to everything else. And one of the things I'm wondering about with the business and everything you're working on, you mentioned the day job as well. Is your goal, if it's even a goal or to even say that, or would you like this to happen to like be full-time wizard helping people? Or what is, like, what do you, where do you want this to go? Oh, of course. I would love to be a full-time wizard, but I think it's a gradual process. And yeah. part of that is like, I have a rare medical condition. I am in an experimental drug trial. So I do not have the luxury of, you know, following all of the self-help guru advice of like, just take the leap and just risk it all. And just like, you know, don't worry. Like, <laughs> me not having health insurance would be bad right away. And so yeah. I'm, you know, moving in the direction of being a full-time wizard, but I don't want to sacrifice the core idea of it. I don't want to um, win the battle and lose the war. So the idea is to be able to be my irascible, fun, weird wizard self and to be able to create revenue streams that I am comfortable with rather than immediately trying to jump into this marketing world where I'm really, you know, focusing all of my energy on SEO and Instagram ads and social media marketing and selling, you know, quickly churned out wizard content. If you subscribe to my newsletter, then you're in my funnel and then I'm going to convert you into a session at some point and it's all about these sales. You know, the first book that I released, yeah. I knew at that point in my journey I wasn't going to sell a lot of copies of a book. And the last thing I wanted was to have a garage full of, <laughs> of unsold books for the next 20 years. And I thought it would be a lot more right. interesting to reward the people who were in on the ground floor and knew me before this took off. And so I made it intentionally a limited artifact. I said, there's going to be a hundred copies of this. And that way, it's a cool, mysterious thing. And I think in the current era where Patton Oswald once called it Etowoth, everything that ever was available forever. And we've lost that, that mode of cultural discovery, where if you were trying to get into punk in the 80s or 90s, you had to know someone who would make you a copy of a Misfits tape, and then you would listen to that tape until it sounded like crap and wore out, because you couldn't just go and download the Misfits discography. And so I think yeah. one of the things that, you know, people always tell me when they come to one of my events, they're like, this is so cool. This is amazing. Like, I can't wait until there's like a hundred people there. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not going to work with a hundred people here. <laughs> it's about creating small, intimate experiences where you get to meet the other people in the room. Not everything needs to scale. Not everything needs to grow. Not everything needs to blow up and become a viral sensation. I think we're actually craving things that feel private and personal and intimate. And so my vision of being a full-time wizard, and I'm hoping to move um, more strongly in that direction in the next few years, because I'm entering more or less the phase two of, of the plan, but it's been to slowly seed this idea of being a wizard, figure out what it means to embody it, and to dance with the universe and the opportunities that present themselves rather than force myself through these traditional means of promotion and marketing. Yeah, and I 
I really appreciate the fresh perspective. And this all reminds me of a book I'm reading right now, actually called Company of One. And one of the examples they mention in that book, it's Ooh. like, it's just basically questioning growth. And the example that they use is a company called Basecamp. And it's a remote remote company it used to be called 37 Signals mm-hmm. by two guys who definitely think about work differently, think about culture differently. And one of the things they mentioned in there is creating the best company, not the biggest company. Like they're not focused on trying to create the most massive right. company ever. They're trying to run it really well, help customers in the best way possible. And, and to that, then they also mentioned another thing was being Harvard. Like Harvard's not trying to be the biggest university with the most students. They're just trying to be the best university. So it is a different way to think about things. And I've been really interested in that idea as well recently with reading that book and just thinking about where I want to take everything that I'm doing as well. It's like, how can you make it the best and not necessarily growth at all costs? So I do appreciate the, uh, the perspective you have as well on that. And we're working towards trying to make it your full-time thing, but then at the same time, not rushing it, I think is, is really important. And, and with, your, with the business and everything you're doing, in terms of making it the best, like where do you go to to learn, uh, to kind of develop as a wizard, whether it be podcasts, books, anything specific, I would love to hear. Oh, what a great question. So I'm very fortunate to be part of a, a group of people in New York that we call very loosely the Diviners Club. And they're a bunch of people interested in the occult, a lot of them from a more <laughs> rigorous perspective than myself. And that's been one of the most inspiring things where we will go and hang out normally at a bar or someplace, sometimes at a person's house, and we'll do divination for each other. So that could be tarot cards or um, geomancy, or uh, they're very tolerant. I don't I do not do a lot of the traditional things. So I'll do really weird stuff like roll dice and then look at the numbers on a jukebox and then give a reading based off of what the songs correlate yeah. to and that kind of thing. But that's been very inspiring in terms of changing how I think about magic and understanding these older traditions and things like that. Aside from that, I just read pretty voraciously. And for a long time, I was reading so much nonfiction because I had that mentality I think a lot of us get into of like, I have to be productive in my (laughs) reading time. And I was chatting with a friend who does a lot of creativity work. And she mentioned that she thought that people don't get writer's block they have writer's malnutrition. It's like, you're not constipated, yeah. you're malnourished. And I, I just said, fiction is the fiber of the soul. And then was like, wait a minute, that's true. And I need to live <laughs> that more. And so fiction, I think, is really helpful. So I just finished The Dispossessed by Ursula Le Guin, which I thought was phenomenal. It's a very interesting book about anarchism, and there's a lot of Taoist influence in there too. But I think fiction can get you thinking about the world in a different way than just reading yet another business book or psychology book or whatever it is um, that's about like improvement. Yeah, it's there's something to be said for just having putting your mind in a different environment and whether that be fiction, whether that be physically, you're moving yourself to a different place for a little while. There's something magical about that as well, it seems like. I just came back from a trip a few days ago, actually, for school, we went to Hong Kong, and then we went to Bali for fun afterwards. And it's just amazing what ideas can come from that and have a different business idea that progressed from that trip. So it's just like putting yourself in a different position can be so helpful. And fiction can definitely do that as well. Yeah, the idea that I've um, stumbled onto is, is I, I like to think about these, these forces of pattern and possibility. 
I think people tend to, to get stuck on one side or the other. So you could imagine the person who's all patterned, they're stuck in a job, every day's the same, they go to the same bar with the same friends after work, and it's just all routine, routine, routine. Or you can imagine the person who's all possibility, and they're traveling constantly, they're always waking up in a new city, they never knew what they're going to do, they have no stable social connections, it's always new, 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 new. And for anyone listening to this, I think thinking about where you are, if you you know had a zero to 100 band and you had to put yourself a, as a number on that, are you leaning towards pattern or are you leaning towards possibility? Where are you right now? And if you're stuck in pattern, then you need to introduce possibility back in your life. You need to surprise yourself. Go to a movie theater and pick out a movie at random that you wouldn't normally see. It doesn't even matter if you like it. It's going to make you think and see a different slice of the culture that we live in. Go to a neighborhood you've never explored. Try a different food. Read a book that you wouldn't normally read. Like ask someone in your life to just give you a book that they loved and read that for a change. Whereas on the other hand, for someone who's immersed in possibility, I think it's about creating rituals and routines for yourself. So even if you're going to wake up in a different city every night, having a before bed ritual that you do where, you know, you read a thing from this book, or you light a candle and meditate for five minutes, or whatever it is, giving yourself some sort of stability and consistency, and playing with those ideas. My form of magic is all about having weird creative ideas, and then seeing what they can do to change your experience of life. I think that's that's super powerful. And that, that, looking at it in ter- in those terms, I can already see is, is cred- incredibly helpful. On that similar kind of note, was there any other things you wanted to mention in regards to helping people improve their life in, in any capacity? And you mentioned like, you know, making it a little bit better. Anything else through your time as a wizard helping people that you wanted to share in regards to, you know, kind of helping people improve their lives in some capacity? I think it goes back to what you said earlier about the book you were reading about growth. You know, one of my mantras, I guess I'd call it, is it's supposed to be fun does not mean it's going to be fun all the time, but it's supposed to be fun. So when I'm going to do a a big ceremony and I'm going to have to speak without notes in front of a group of people and say things the right way and lead the crowd's energy and I don't know what the the, the space or environment's going to be like, that can be stressful. And I can start trying to have that you know, over-prepared thing, and I'm running through it again and again and again, and then I have to remind myself, it's supposed to be fun. Like, don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. don't. Like, wh- like, what is the story that I would like to read about, you know? Do I want to read about the wizard who, like, is pacing and nervous and goes and does the thing and then is stressed afterwards and is, like, not fun? Or do I want to read about the wizard that, like, goes and has a beer at a bar near the event and talks to some strangers and gets lost in conversation and then walks into the event and is confident and casual and has a great time. And so I think that idea is not something to like flagellate yourself with of like, oh, it's supposed to be fun. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, (laughs) but like, if you're trying to grow something and you're trying to build a business, when is it going to be fun? Like, if it's always over that next hill, if it's always, oh, once I, you know, IPO and then I sell the company and I have a million dollars, then I'll go have fun. So much research says that's a bad idea. So, so, so much research says that if you delay your satisfaction, you're going to be very confused and unhappy when you finally reach what you thought was going to deliver it. 
So if you're working on something now, how can you make it more fun? Put on some music you like. Find a friend that will come co-work with you. You know, figure out those things so you can enjoy the here and now because you're probably going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. <laughs> you know, that literally reminds me, this quote that always seems to come to mind uh, by Annie Dillard is, how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. And if you're spending your days having fun and enjoying it, then you've had spent a life having fun and enjoying your life. And that seems to be a good way to go. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's definitely shit that we've got to shovel. Like that's a part of it. Of course. Um, there's, you know, I've had plenty of moments of wizardry that were not the most fun. I've even had times where I like, I was, I did a big walkabout thing in Central Park where I, uh, it was for 420. So uh, people ate edibles and we had this guided audio journey through Central Park. And one of the times preparing it, I took the maximum dose because I wanted to make sure that I knew what people were getting into before I guided people on that experience. And at the end of it, I was like, oh my God, I am way too stoned to be walking around in public in wizard robes right now. I'm having a bad time. Like, I need to get out of here. And that's a funny story now. So, I mean, like, you know, you got to find those balances of like, what are the things that you feel like are worth the sacrifice that you're going to enjoy telling about later? What are the things that are building character and you know that you're doing for others, that it's not all worrying about yourself, but then also how are you breaking out of those patterns and making sure that you can go, um, you know, roll around in the grass sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's a good, it's a good place to end it for, for now, at least we can always maybe have a round two, but I'm curious as to where can people go then to learn more about what you're doing and follow you and everything with that? Well, I think if you liked any of the the rambling wizard nonsense I've spouted in this podcast, um, I would recommend that you listen to my podcast. This podcast is a ritual. And I would recommend that you visit my website, personisawake.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter, which I send out at the beginning of each month. And it's uh, free spells, which are ways to, you know, problem solve in interesting and magical ways. And different recommendations or things that I'm doing. And if you're in the New York area, then that's a great way to figure out when I'm doing a wizard event that you can come to in person. But even if you're not in New York, I mean, I'm very sincere about this idea that we are changing the world right now by you listening to this podcast. Because I had the idea of being a wizard, and by you having me on this podcast, you have helped share that with a wider audience. And for everyone that listens to it and says, oh, I heard about this wizard, we're spreading this idea that we can have wizards in our reality. And the more that we encourage that and the more that we participate and connect to that, I think we can all participate in this shift that everyone's really feeling the need for right now to move consensus reality in a more positive, more connected, more communal direction. Yes, that's awesome. And I'll definitely make sure to link up everything, uh, all the stuff you have as well at justcogrind.com slash podcast. So people can always go there too to find all the links. Devin, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. I really enjoyed it, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Don't grind too hard. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.